I'm Gabby Hi, I'm Emily Fennigan. Hi, it's Keith Bradshaw. Hi, this is Holly Evans. And I'm Ben Hook. In conjunction with Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation, this is Hooked on Sport. <laughs> We are delivering the latest updates on what you need to know about the return to sport. Things are changing rapidly, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes. Today I'm speaking to former AFL footballer Josh Willoughby and Adelaide United strength and conditioning coach Eleni Vosnarkis. Eleni has some great ideas to get your body into top shape while still working towards full team training, particularly those of you who play indoor sports. While Josh is now the mastermind behind Run DNA, which unlocks the science behind selecting the right shoes for your feet. Eleni is not just a coach, she's also a talented footballer in her own right, playing over the last three seasons with Adelaide University and White City. She joins me in just a moment. Hi, I'm Gabby Nance from the Hockey Roos, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. Eleni Vosnarkis, welcome to Hooked on Sport. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Eleni, are you a strength and conditioning coach who plays or a player who just dabbles in strength and conditioning? Oh, I, I was a player and then I got into strength and conditioning and now I'm more so on the strength and conditioning coaching side of things and now I dabble in playing or I, I, I try to still play, but I definitely see myself going down the coaching path more often. Local season's been delayed. How have you dealt with that? Me personally, it's it's been interesting. Obviously, my, my main work is in sport, so everything got shut down really and it, it meant a lot of work from home, um, work online, keeping in touch with people via you know media terms instead of face-to-face. So for me, a, a coach that's used to being you know, in, a, in the face-to-face field, it's been quite difficult but also you know, allowed for some time to catch up on things and, and look at perhaps different avenues of, of reaching our athletes. You're the strength and conditioning coach for the Adelaide United W League team. What's it like working with an elite club? Oh, it's great. It's uh, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. It's um, it's different. You know, they they uh, all the girls are committed and and passionate, and they you know want to do better each and every training. And um, you know, some of the the facilities and the equipment that I have access to is sort of not really anything that you can get at local level. So um, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Football's a, a very hard running game and a lot of the athletes tend to be quite light so where does the strength come into the conditioning training yeah definitely so there's sort of I look at it as two two types of strength we've got strength on the field so in kind of our one one v one situations if you're you know if you're against an opponent and you need to fend off and then as as a result you know, you need to do something outside or off the field to, to build up that strength. So that's when the, the gym element or the lifting element comes into it. And for soccer players, it's, um, you know, a lot of lower body strength and uh, a lot of, lot of lower body, body power. Um, and they, yeah, they, they work outside, you know, off the field to make sure that they can hold their own on their ground. Very difficult for uh, athletes at W League level. A lot of them are part-time and working as well. Are you often amazed yeah. at what these athletes can produce considering the limited time they have to devote to it? Oh, definitely. You know, we've got we've got 
girls in the team that are, are full-time uh, engineers and um, we've got some people studying and a lot of people work in exercise as well and then they do a you know a nine to five day and then they they come to training at six and um, you know we expect them to be ready to go and, and put on a great performance and I, it amazes me that you know they do what they do during the day study work and all the rest of it and then they can come and be professional athletes at night time and then get ready to to travel and and fly into state you know they they're definitely one of a kind the the female athletes from uh, one side of the city to the other you're also involved with Adelaide University Sports tell us a bit about your role there yeah so i have a, a direct role with the uh, women's football or soccer team and uh, they play in the local Premier League. So um, I look after all their strength and conditioning as well, not only just the, the field stuff, but they also all have um, membership and, and free access to the Adelaide University gym where we take care of all their um, gym needs. And, uh, again, a bit of behind-the-scenes sort of sports science stuff. We track them with GPS data that I'm, you know, fortunate enough to, to have and we make sure that we, we monitor their wellness and, um, yeah, report directly back to the, the senior coaches and, and um, hopefully uh, get them ready for a, a season where they're injury-free and, and they feel conditioned and ready to go. Now, Eleni, am I right that you were coaching uh, fitness for these players last year and then playing against them? <laughs> the uh, Adelaide Uni players? Yes. Um, no, I, I, I coached, I coached, I coached them um, with the the conditioning side of things, and then I, I went and played for a um, another club in let's say the the level below or a couple levels below, and I never actually Adelaide University was um was in the league, but I never played against them because I uh, I nicked off overseas before I got the chance. So I had a few games playing for another club and, and um, helping them out, but never never actually competed against my own club. I don't, I don't think I could do that just yet. <laughs> well, I wondered because I, I couldn't quite find uh, my way through the, uh, the the list of matches, but I did notice that you played for some games for White City last That's year. That's the one. That was a yeah. bit of a change for you, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. I um, I didn't really know much about them. I had a link there. Their manager used to be um, my manager at Adelaide Uni and, he, uh, I ran into him and he said, you know, how about keep, you know, you keep playing and, and come play for a sort of a community team, they call that that division. And I had played in that division a number of years ago at Adelaide Uni and I thought, yeah, you know, why not um, give it a go? But I, I, I quickly realised that there was a significant um, standard difference between the two leagues and I had already planned to, to go overseas to watch um, the Women's World Cup anyway so I just uh, I played a bit and then I, I left the country <laughs> not not on on bad terms but um, it was the plan anyway. Uh, Lenny I'm interested in picking your brains here as a specialist in strength and conditioning there's uh, a number of athletes whether they be top end or just the, the local yokel heroes who are starting to think about maybe they're going to be playing some sport in the next three to four weeks. A lot of them are still based at home. What are some practical things that they could start to be doing now? Let's start with aerobic fitness. What are some of the things that you can do if you're you're not probably able to go out for a jog, but predominantly stuck to your backyard and not able to work with other athletes? Yeah, if you, if you, if you can find a home and aerobic is the concern, um, 
if you have some equipment, you know, for example, like you might have an exercise bike or, you know, a bike that you can mount to something or a skipping rope, definitely, you know, make best use of, of those things. Otherwise, anything like, you know, in you can even do it in your living room, um, any form of, I guess, high-intensity aerobic exercise where you're getting the heart rate up and perhaps you have a few rest intervals to kind of mimic that of your um, your chosen sport. But also keeping in mind, keep everything relative. So if you're watching a YouTube video on, on high-intensity aerobic exercise and, you know, they're getting you to do um, lots of, you know, burpees or perhaps, um, you know, a minute of squat jumps, just think about, how that actually relates to your sport and if it if it doesn't perhaps you can sub in um, a different exercise or maybe only do it for half the amount of time they suggest so we don't want to burn ourselves out doing the wrong exercises because then we're going to lead to to injuries um, during the season but definitely I mean no one wants to run around a small backyard for six kilometers worth so the the interval and the high intensity training will be their best friend at the moment. And what about strength? It's very difficult for people at the moment to get to gymnasiums. Some people have uh, backyard gyms, but a lot of people don't. Uh, what are some clever little ideas that uh, you can suggest that people can start to improve their strength uh, without getting to the gym? Yeah, sure. Well, I've told um, all my players, uh, they, they've got a set program, but one of the best things that they can do is just do a exercise where it involves you holding the position for a while. So things like wall sits, um, holding a, you know, a deep lunge, your planks, your side planks, anything isometric um, that we call, you know, a push up and holding just before you touch the, the floor. So those kind of things are awesome. And then if you have the ability, you know, you might have a, a heavy dog or perhaps a, a younger sibling or someone that or something that you can can hold to make the exercises a bit harder, just going through your basic movement pattern exercises. So your squat, you know, your lunge, your bend, your push, those kind of things um, is really all you need just to, to keep it simple. You don't need anything fancy. And then if you're someone that's perhaps got a, a nice veranda that you can cling on to, anything like pull-ups, chin-ups, or um, those kind of upper body exercises, definitely, you know, beneficial. That's great, Eleni. And uh, I've just lifted my producer, Wallace, uh, up above my uh, above my head. Just, uh, to, <laughs> Ready to squat. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Eleni, are you excited about the fact that uh, we are looking like we're going to be returning to sport in the next month or so? I, I am excited. I think the the players at local level sort of got a taste of it. You know, my team had played two games and then um, – it all got taken away from them. So they're eager to get back. And and for me as a coach, I'm eager to continue, you know, collecting the data and, and keeping on top of things and making sure I'm doing my role. But then the girls at the professional level, you know, they just came off a season at the end of February and they were on forced leave for 30 days, which is part of their um, sort of natural rest process that the league assigns. And then they never even got to return to their sport. So they've been waiting for months now to go back. So I can't wait to see them play as well. Interesting you say collecting the data, and you obviously yeah. have very specialised ways of doing that. For someone like me who's just a bit of a, you know, I might go for a jog or something like that, what are some good ways of being able to judge uh, whether I'm overdoing it, underdoing it? Is it just by feel and you're just looking, trying to look after your body that way, or is there some more scientific way that you can measure these sorts of things without having access to the, to the resources that you do? Yeah, sure. Um, the next sort of level down I, I always recommend is is someone having a, 
sort of a sports watch or a GPS watch where you can keep track of those kind of things. But obviously we don't all have access to that. And there's a super free, easy tool um, called the RPE scale that you can just pop into Google and have a look. And it's sort of a scale one to 10 where you can see, you know, how hard you feel like you've worked and it's got a few descriptions. And then, for example, if you look into it a little bit more and you you go, you know, I did five sessions this week and each session was a seven, which is sort of very hard, then that's kind of gone a little bit over the top and we might need to tone it back the next week and perhaps only do two sessions at a, a seven. But at the end of the day, if you if you do listen to your own body and, you you know, you go for a long run or you do some interval training and you wake up the next morning and you're stiff and sore, that's probably the best indication that you need 24 hours rest and might your next session might look a lot like yoga or stretching or a nice bath or um, something like that. So I, I really hope during this time that, you know, people are listening to their bodies, but um, I definitely see a lot of people just going overboard and, and going for these long runs and then doing it again the next day. So hopefully they can, uh, they can t- take their rest when they can. Lenny, you're my kind of strength and conditioning coach. You've just recommended to me a hot bath as my fitness for the day. I, I think that's uh, probably the way I'm going to go. Big dream. Uh, uh, Lenny, it's always great to have experts on this show. You are definitely uh, someone who we really appreciate your expert information on. Thank you for joining us on Hooked on Sport. Thanks. Let's take a short break to hear from John Mannion at the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. The present situation can increase our anxiety, which is completely normal and understandable. To try and reduce some of this anxiety by practicing our breathing or deep muscle relaxation techniques, maybe some mindfulness or even dancing, singing or maybe even yoga. And now back to the show. I love Eleni's message about the RPE scale. What a great concept for anyone who wants to get fit but maybe has had their hours cut because of the pandemic and can't afford one of those amazing but expensive fitness watches right now. So from RPE to DNA. Run DNA is the brainchild of Josh Willoughby, a former Australian rules player in the AFL with Sydney Swans, and Glenelg in the Sandful. If you've ever wondered about the science behind fitting a shoe to your foot, well, there wasn't all that much until now. Willoughby, from retailers Joggers World, scoured the earth to find a better way to help an athlete pick the right shoe. Josh joins me right after this. Hi, I'm Bruce McAvaney, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. Josh Willoughby, welcome to Hooked on Sport. Uh, Thank you, Ben. Really appreciate you having me. Josh, I can imagine it's been quite amazing to see the amount of people that have taken up running in the last two months. Oh, I think it has. I think, um, you know, no, no matter where you are in, in Adelaide, um, or even across even across Australia, but you get out outside and there's a lot more people moving. The parks are full and obviously most people are doing the right thing and and, and spending some sort of social distancing, et cetera. But, um, yeah, remarkable. Um, walking, running, families, groups of people. It's been fantastic. What about your own running? Are you getting out and hitting the pavement much? I need to confess, I have, uh, I have upped my running quite a bit in the last four to five weeks. Um few reasons, a bit more time, and uh, and just good to clear the head, Ben. Um, how many Ks a week? Uh, last week I hit 65, which is um, that's, uh, sort of getting up there for me at the moment. Very impressive. Good, good, yeah. solid kilometres. Yeah, exactly right. That, that's, uh, 65 painful Ks, Ben. Yeah. Well, so, uh, 
65 <laughs> fast case too. I, uh, I've seen you running around before and uh, the, <laughs> your top end speed uh, leaves me very much in your dust. Oh, you too kind. <laughs> uh, let, let's talk about some of the practical issues for people who uh, yeah. maybe are thinking about getting into running. Maybe they have recently. Uh, first of all, what sort of program should they be setting themselves if they're a bit of a novice runner, so really haven't done much running at all? I think you've got to sort of um... – it sounds sounds quite obvious, but silly in some ways. But you've got to listen to your body. I mean, if you're if you're a runner or a person that's just starting out running, um, you've got to set some pretty sort of low low um, goals. Essentially, get out, walk, jog for the first period, and see what your body is capable of doing. Um, and not be too much pressure on yourself. I think a lot of people go out. Um, and they may not have run for, you know, it could be five, ten years, and you're not going to run at the same speed or the same distance as you did back then. Um, and just get out and get the heart rate going. Um, we all know that you know, a good 20 to 30 minutes of exercise a day is good for the mind, and um, and just get out and find the time, essentially, Ben. Uh, what about shoe selection? If someone's not sure of, of what they're after, I mean, obviously you go into a shoe store and you'll ask an expert, but what are some of the, the really – common things you need to be looking for in particular if you're trying to do this maybe on a budget yeah for sure um comfort is king uh ben so what we what we do in regards to fitting someone up in a running shoe is we sort of profile their their mechanics and their foot type and you bring out a selection of shoes that sort of fit their fit their movement path and then it's essentially up to the person and what they feel comfortable in um of course you can you know you can spend right up to four hundred dollars on a pair of running shoes if you really wanted to but it's not it's not necessarily about the price that um, that sort of leads to the comfort factor. It's it's all about ensuring that the support's in the right spot. It's got ample cushioning for where your foot makes contact with the ground, and uh, and width and length is is optimal for, for your foot shape. So, um, making sure that that you're comfortable within that shoe. We uh, we sort of look at um, fitting shoes to personnel, and it's more about fitting the shoe to the runner, not necessarily making the runner change to fit a shoe. If that makes sense. Some people will be running on grass or oval. Some yeah. will run on roads. Some will run on trails and a lot of elevation change. Do, do shoes True. change depending on what people are trying to run on? Absolutely. Um, you think about uh, the surface in itself. Um, we as as runners change. Um, so if you go from running on pavement and then running at the same speed to running on grass, you're your essentially uh, gait changes, your running technique changes because you've got grass underneath your foot, you can land a little bit harder. So we tend to lean on the surfaces. So what that does with shoe selection is we certainly look at what's important to the runner and where they're, where they're running, um, be it trails, road or, or grass, as you said, and um, it's, it's ensuring that the shoe's got all the technical features to ensure they hold up um, to those conditions. Let's move on to someone uh, perhaps like you and me who run pretty regularly, and I'm not quite as advanced as you. I'm a you know 55 <laughs> k's a week that on a good week. Um, That's a good week. But what is uh, what are some of the things that you need to look for? I guess probably mo- the most obvious question is how much wear should you get out of a pair of shoes? So if you've got the right shoes that have been fitted well, how many kilometres should you be able to get out of a pair of shoes before you need to start looking at an upgrade? Loaded question, Hooksy. Loaded question. The reason being is, um, you know, every every person is different. So um, essentially, weight, their foot uh, foot posture, where they make contact with the ground, and every shoe is different. In regards to it, you know, it could be a gerometer reading in the foam. But what there's a general rule out there in regards to the mileage of a running shoe, and 
we uh, we say it can be anywhere between five to six hundred kilometres, um, and that's you know, it could be less, it could be a little bit more depending on the runner. But um, of course, when you start looking at shoes, all shoes have different cushioning levels, they've got different stack heights, uh, flexibilities, different outsoles. There's a lot that goes into that question. But um, what what I I would say is if um, someone is running more than what they have before their shoes are going to actually compress a lot quicker. So if, for example, it took you six months to run 500 kilometres in 2019 and it took you three months to run 500 kilometres, and obviously what we're going through right now, um, your shoes are going to wear out a lot quicker and you need your shoes to come back to its original shape. So we talk about shoe rotation. Then. For someone like yourself and me that might be running, you know, 30, 40, 50 k's a week, we, we should think about altering our, our footwear selection. So what do you well. mean by that? So you're actually d- different pairs of shoes over the course of a week? Yeah, correct. So um, it depends. Again, um, a lot of runners might introduce some interval sessions into their running program. So that's where you're running a little bit quicker over a shorter period of time um, or tempo runs where you sort of push the pace and hold it for as, as long as you can. Um, therefore, you, you complete your, your running technique changes, Ben. So you, you make contact with the ground in a different part of your foot. You're putting a little bit more force through specific parts of your foot and your lower limb. So therefore, what we like to do is we like to align a shoe to match your tempo run or your quick running speed in comparison to when you go out in the, um, on the road or the trails and you're running a little bit slower. So you need a couple of little changes in a shoe to make sure that at the end of the run, you feel pretty good. You're nice and comfortable um, with your run. So if you keep using the same shoe for different running, whether it be trail, road, grass, intervals, long runs, the shoe itself just wears down too quickly. Oh, there you are. I'll have to come back in and see you, Josh. <laughs> it was a sales pitch, man. I knew that. <laughs> I knew, yeah. no, uh, no, but it is true, yeah. I do want to ask about one of uh, the concepts that you've developed called Run DNA, and I guess I'll put it into the context that if someone buys a bike, they have it set specifically for the way they ride. If someone gets a set of golf clubs, it's specifically for the way they swing. But traditionally, that hasn't been the case with a pair of shoes. It's just been, yeah, they fit and they feel pretty good. Off you yep. go. Tell us a little bit about Run DNA and and how that improves the ability to select the right pair of shoes. Yeah, uh, well, it's 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 my um, the Run DNA journey started off with actually me getting fitted for golf clubs. Ben, I'm going to just highlight and point that <laughs> out. Um, um, I went and uh, had a had a technical fit with some golf sticks, and, and I was blown away with obviously the technology available in that space. And and I thought, hang on a second, why why are we still using the same technology we did 20 years ago to fit running shoes? Because Running shoe engineering and development has has just jumped um, exponentially in that time. Um, so what what we've traditionally done is you film someone walking and running barefoot, and then you film them walking and running in a selection of running shoes from a rear perspective. So you get look at them from behind and then from the side, and you can sort of slow down the video and show them um, the changes in their gait. But we've never been able to actually measure what's happening within the running shoe or what's happening to that person's running mechanics and. Without the the use of a three dimensional um, high speed cameras, um, we've um, sort of partnered with a company called Runscribe, based out of uh, out of California in the US, and we use accelerometers which we place on top of the shoelaces. So essentially, we're looking at three different categories. We're looking at the efficiency of a runner, the shock that goes through the runner's body, and then what we classify as a motion metric. So how much movement and speed of movement is happening within that running shoe. So. From now, we can actually line up comfort, which is the run DNA's perspective. We look at the comfort of a running shoe and we then cross our reference that to the data that we collect from Runscribe and then you can really dial in on, on someone's mechanics. And that, that obviously changes with 
with speed, with duration. So, you know, once you run a marathon or if you go for a 10-kilometre run, for example, your mechanics in that first one to two Ks are going to be completely different from the last one to two Ks when fatigue sets in, et cetera. So we can now measure what happens to you um, and your movement path with uh, within a running shoe. Uh, just to wrap up, uh, Josh, what are mm-hmm. the things that people need to focus on, whether they're uh, getting back into running or they've decided that they want to start to make this uh, a bit of a part of their weekly routine? What are the, some of the things they need to be aware of to avoid injury? Yeah, it's a great one. Um, load management, Ben, so, and that's the sort of the, the number one um, sort of cause for injury or soreness, even currently. So speaking to our, our sort of podiatry and physio partners and exercise physiologists that we we um, we uh, work closely with, um, at this current time, a lot of people are, uh, are certainly running more um, than what they've done before. And that might be from zero to one or, or from three to five runs a week. So just managing the amount, um, the amount that you run. And so you can avoid becoming sore and then trying to back up with another run or a walk, et cetera. So um, listen to your body. Um, you know, when your body's telling you that things are a bit sore and tight, manage it, stretch it. It's better to miss one or two walks a week than, than miss two or three runs um, because, or two or three works, weeks worth of training because you've injured yourself. So, um, yeah, make sure make sure that you're stretching, you're sleeping well and, um, and you know, um, everything will fall into place and you'll enjoy the sport for its pure form what it is. Josh Willoughby, you're a font of knowledge and information. We really appreciate your time today on Hooked on Sport. Uh, Thank you, Ben. Much appreciated. Take care. You're listening to Hooked on Sport, your virtual sports club. What a jam-packed episode. I hope you discovered a few great fitness tips and which shoes to wear while you do them. Thanks again to Josh and Eleni. That's the final repetition on episode 13. Hooked on Sport is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So feel free to shoot us a note. Say hi, and let us know how your local club is doing to prepare for sport. Thanks to Ben Watson, who wrote and recorded the musical intro to Hooked on Sport, and to the show's producers, Wallace Long and Desiree McMahon. Be kind to one another. We will see you soon at Hooked on Sport. (laughs) 